right, welcome to In Your Corner with Core Physical Therapy. My name is Scott McKenzie, and this podcast is uniquely positioned. And what I mean by that, we bring the medical industry, the medical professionals to you, and we talk about better pain management. We talk about rehab after surgery. We talk about improved mobility. And we talk about preventative care. And you know what else? We talk about so much more on this particular podcast. Now, thank you for joining this podcast. So let's get on with the interview. Tonight, we're going to be talking about stem cells. Very, very hot topic. We've got two excellent guests to kind of walk us through this. A uh, lot in the media about stem cells, a lot of misinformation, some good information. I'm really, really going to cut to the chase here and find out what is important, what we need to know, and really get some direction. So, Dr. Sorcy, could you please introduce yourself? Yes, uh, good evening. Uh, my name is Dr. Angelo Sorcy. So I'm an orthopedic surgeon uh, currently seen in East Tennessee. And Nate, head up, buddy. Uh, I'm Nate Gibson, uh, physical therapist in the White Pine and Morristown locations in uh, Tennessee as well. So without, without uh, wasting any time, let's just dive right in here. And Dr. Sorcy, I guess the, the easiest way to start is for you to talk about your background a little bit and then kind of explain how you got into stem cell treatment and your thoughts on stem cell treatment in general. Sure. Um, I'm an orthopedic surgeon in private practice of 19 and a half years. And I first uh, became interested in stem cells roughly six years ago in earnest. Uh, I've been reading all the same uh, journal articles that everybody else has been reading. Started having patients come in. But for me personally, my own private practice, the two areas where stem cells really uh, peaked in interest were for people, uh, especially young people or older people that were uh, unhealthy, that had bad arthritic knees, uh, could not undergo a total knee replacement and still had pain and were looking for relief. And the other major group of uh, my patients, um, about three, four years ago, when I was still practicing in uh, Southeast Michigan, uh, the uh, office building I worked in had a lot of auto patients. And uh, anybody who knows anything about the auto industry, uh, these folks are, are tough patients to work on. And typical uh, procedures that would work uh, wonderfully in my general uh, population of patients didn't seem to quite get those folks there. So I started looking into stem cells for them and found that uh, regardless of their interest, these folks were getting better. So that's exactly what piqued my interest and started looking further into it and uh, discovered that, as my wife always says, this is the wave of the future. And being of Italian descent, and if you guys know many Italians, we're very skeptical uh, people. And uh, I just couldn't believe this was true. And in fact, several of the people I met along the way, Dr. Guy Otano's school dairy, uh, who is a doctor who uh, really brought up alpha-2 uh, macroglobulin, uh, to the forefront. I flat out looked him in the eye and told him I did not believe his research because it was too good to be true. And he agreed. And he says it is too good to be true, but it is. And that's how I started. I started handpicking certain patients uh, with no agenda and true pathology and started uh, performing the procedures both in the OR as well as in the office and started seeing tremendous uh, pain relief and increase in function. Moving along, why don't you tell us what stem cells are what is the cell line lineage? And then how, how do you get those stem cells in the office? And, and how do you use them in, in the office and the OR? Well, as far as the stem cell lineage, all I can tell you is that my 
worst class I've ever had or my toughest class was molecular cell biology I took when I was getting my master's degree. So I'll refer you to those uh, textbooks for the actual lineage. However, um, what I tell my patients in layman's terms is that a stem cell is a baby cell. It truly doesn't know what it wants to be when it grows up. And, and by and large, the vast majority of what we're about to talk about tonight truly are not stem cells by the strict definition. They're under the stem cell umbrella, but they're actually fully differentiated cells. And we harvest them, concentrate them, and place them in areas to perform a certain purpose. And um, even though we call them stem cells, they're not. And I tell my patients, you would not send a baby into battle, you'd send a Green Beret or a Navy SEAL, a highly trained warrior. And that's what these cells do. They're they're specific and trained to do a certain function. We collect them, harvest them, and inject them. And in my own personal practice as a general orthopedist, uh, I basically treat everything but spine. Um, I use them in areas such as uh, rotator cuff repair, uh, arthritis of the, I've injected them in my office in the uh, shoulder, wrists, uh, knee, and ankles. And um, uh, basically what we do, um, in particular, the alpha-2 macroglobulin I mentioned earlier, uh, this is a cell, as I mentioned, uh, uh, championed by Guy Otano Scolderi out of Stanford. And he realized that every arthritic joint, for whatever reason, it's arthritic, um, either you know post-traumatic, post-infectious, psoriatic, osteoarthritis, or rheumatoid arthritis, is devoid of that particular cell. And that particular cell is the master inhibitor of inflammation in the body. As I explain to my patients, um, just like in real life, destruction is always quicker than construction. So if they have an injury, they have the inflammation, you're born with only a certain amount of these cells within your knee, okay? And uh, after you use those up, these inflammatory cells that you gather along the way with recurrent injuries just go unchecked, and they just keep degradating your articular cartilage. Well, Dr. Scolderi realized that our liver still makes this, but it's too large of a molecule to naturally pass into the knee and pass the barrier of the capsule. So he theorized that why can't we collect it, concentrate it, and then inject it into the knee because if it's too big to get in naturally, of course, it's too big to get out and you so-called fill the tank up again. And that's what he did. And he went through a great amount of time, money, and effort to, to pass the FDA and prove it's uh, safe and effective. And it sounds real logical. And uh, so... Okay, I'll, I'll bite. I started uh, handpicking a few patients, and we performed the procedure, and I was absolutely astounded on how well it works. Uh, almost instantaneous relief that's been lasting um, many years. I've been doing these for well over four years now. I just recently had a patient from Ohio come down to Tennessee, who I used to treat in Michigan, for bilateral wrist arthritis, horrible arthritis. He needs actually two fusions. And of course, is not interested or willing to undergo the procedure. And uh, we did stem cells two years ago in him. And he started, uh, he had two years of complete pain relief, full function, whatever he wanted to do, both uh, avocational as well as vocational activities. And uh, after two years, he started having a little bit of discomfort. And I'm surprised this man actually had two minutes of relief. But we did it again for him. And uh, hopefully it'll be another two years before I see him again. That's excellent. So why don't you discuss the medical benefits uh, of the stem cells? And uh, again, um, do you harvest them from the patient? Where do you harvest them? And kind of explain the harvesting process to us. 
Okay. Uh, well, uh, there's two basic areas in my practice I use them both in the operative world and the non-operative world. In the, in, the, in the operative world, I've used them uh, frequently for rotator cuff tear. I do arthroscopic rotator cuff repair as well as slap repair. And again, going back to that patient population in the uh, auto insurance world that really is not interested in getting better. Uh, they feel they have the golden ticket if they're injured in an auto accident, at least in southeast Michigan. Uh, so uh, while they're actually asleep in the uh, operating room, I would harvest uh, bone marrow aspirate uh, concentrate. And I have the... Uh, company rep in the corner and we'd spin them down to the proper cells. And whenever I was done um, uh, with the procedure, I would inject in and around the repair and it just incredibly um, uh, allowed that to heal. I had a, had a patient, uh, th that patient population, it's hard to, to describe because uh, there's so many people involved and, and a lot of, a lot of times I do the surgery, I wouldn't see them for two, three months and they just pop up, you know, you, show up and they've all done better no therapy it's it's pretty exciting so i realized it worked and in and, and that um scenario i'd harvest it right from the greater tuberosity in their shoulder uh as far as in the office i do several uh type of uh, stem cells i'll use the alpha 2 macroglobulin we just talked briefly about earlier i'll harvest that from their uh you know venous uh blood i have my nurse who's also my wife who's much better at it than i uh, who shall harvest the cells, and it takes about an hour to prepare. Uh, we also do uh, leukocyte-rich, platelet-rich plasma, which is not an intra-articular injection. It's extra-articular uh, for tendinopathies. Um, again, venous harvest is how we do that. Uh, there's also um, human amniotic fluid. Now, that's harvested uh, at term pregnancies uh, C-section, so it's someone else's fluid, and that's harvested, cleaned, and prepared, and then, of course, we purchase that. I, I used to use that quite a bit. It did work well, a lot of human growth factors in that fluid. However, it's someone else's body fluid. People weren't interested in that, and the expense is a little bit uh, limiting. So there's many ways to harvest, and, and there's also uh, fat adipose cell uh, stem cells. I, I, I do not do that in my personal practice. I'm not set up to uh, harvest the uh, fat adipose. Usually it's in the uh, abdomen. It's like a liposuction procedure. Oh, you asked me about the medical benefits as well. Uh, well, in my world, I definitely use them, as I said, in, in surgery as well as for anti-inflammatory, both in and outside the joint. I've also seen uh, tremendous, um, tremendously impressive uh, photographs of how some other physicians use them for plastic surgery uh, to regenerate uh, uh, skin and burn victims, even regenerating little little earlobes, if you wouldn't believe in one fireman who was burned, I, I saw the uh, case study, he was burned severely in a uh, fire. Uh, he did not have an earlobe to hold his glasses up. So he was incredibly pleased when he was actually growing earlobe again uh, to hold his eyeglasses up. Uh, they also use them in uh, post-myocardial infarction patients where they will inject the stem cells directly into the uh, uh, cardiac tissue and uh, increase their ejection fraction and regenerate um, viable muscle there. So it's quite exciting. It's improving all the time, but in my world, it's, it's strictly uh, for anti-inflammation, arthritis care, and uh, to uh, uh, aid in healing uh, in uh, soft tissue repairs, such as rotator cuff. That's excellent. Um, how many, approximately how many procedures do you think you do in the office, and how many procedures do you think you do um, in the operating room at any given time? 
uh, per year, per week, per month. Give us an idea of what your experience has been. Well, I've done I've done uh, in the office uh, strictly for uh, four years. I started maybe uh, six years ago in the OR. And to be quite honest, uh, Dr. Lehman, it's it's uh, it's it's very costly, uh, and of course the hospital doesn't want to know that. And uh, so it's a little, there's a little cost prohibitive uh, factor to it. It's not for everybody. Uh, however, as I tell my patients, um, the insurance will pay for the procedure, however, not the product. Okay. And it's, it, it's where you live. Uh, if I was in upstate New York, it might be a little different story. Uh, however, I know the cost of some of the procedures I do is uh, eight times what I pay here in Southeast Tennessee. Um, so I know there's a, it's sort of a boutique um, experience for a lot of, a lot of folks. Uh, made, these, these places are popping up all, all over the country. And I tell my patients, you know, buyer beware. It's, it reminds me of the old uh, snake venom salesman in the back of the chuck wagon. Uh, cures everything and baldness, blindness, and uh, uh, shortness of stature. However, um, the reality of it is uh, it does work. And uh, truthfully, if it was uh, $30 a pop and you came to see me for uh, a headache, I'd put it in both your knees. It is phenomenal. At some point, there's talk to insurance might cover the whole process. But uh, until then, uh, I do it. The answer is how often do I do it, when I can and where I can. And, uh, and that's, that's if the hospital allows for certain cases, certain insurance providers. In the office, I, I formally uh, don't advertise this. It's truly word of mouth. Um, I'll give you an example. I had a patient up north who, a uh, very wealthy woman, uh, a known uh, gambler, high roller, if you will. And uh, this woman was allergic to every single metal except for gold, if you can believe that. And uh, she couldn't wear anything, uh, even her glasses, rings, etc., had to be pure gold. And she needed a knee replacement and wanted one manufactured out of pure gold. And <laughs> wow. I, said, I know, right? I said, I, I know of no such knee. And if you ever get one, don't tell anybody you have it. <laughs> You'll wake up without it. But nonetheless, uh, she is a very skeptical woman. This woman was a, a, a funny character. She, uh, she would complain about everything. She would complain about paying tax on a lot of winnings, okay? Uh, whereas I'd gladly, gladly pay that every day. Uh, but nonetheless, she came in and all we had left for her was this. And so we gave it a try. The next thing I knew, I had every card dealer from every casino in Southeast Michigan, as well as Canada, show up in my office looking for this wonder drug. It was unbelievable what that one woman generated. So um, as far as the amount of people, I tried to, I tried to get a final uh, census. And with the move, some of my records, uh, uh, I don't have a complete census, but I know I'm over 200 patients now. And a lot of those are bilateral. And the only repeats I have are that one uh, wrist individual I just described to you. So if we're going, going on better than four years, and uh, I, uh, another woman I had, she was 82, and uh, I replaced her right knee, and it came time to replace her left knee. But again, she was older in years and a little infirmed, and, and we, we feared that she wouldn't uh, do well with another procedure. So we tried this, and she came back uh, three, four weeks later bragging about her, her knee. It's much better with just an injection than the big fancy contraption I put in her other leg. So. Um, it is astounding, and it's made a believer out of, out of this skeptic Italian uh, to the point where uh, I actually 
injected both my wife's hips and my father's hips, and uh, there it, it, it's amazing. Wow, that's excellent. So, what is the cost to the patient, and what is the cost to the insurance company? Well, like I said, the insurance company will pay for the procedure, uh, office time, vena puncture, etc. But the cost uh, to the patient it depends exactly what kind of stem cell we're using. Uh, the ones in the OR, those are typically completely covered. Uh, the ones in the office, I, I do use a PRP. However, I prefer the leukocyte-rich PRP. And uh, that one is a purely extra-articular injection. Uh, you know, various tendinopathies, recalcitrant, trochanteric bursitis, plantar fasciitis, um, tennis okay. elbow, etc. And uh, that kit, that ranges, it depends on which one manufacturer you use, anywhere from 300 to up to $900. Uh, whereas the uh, alpha-2 macroglobulin, uh, Dr. Scolderi, a very wise man, <laughs> he not only patented the uh, intra-office procedure, he patented the idea. So that, uh, that price is pretty much fixed And as far as the low end. And uh, it's sort of like when you when you want to go buy an iPad, no matter where you buy it, at what store, it's the same price for so many gigs. And uh, what I found with his product through the company, um, they have a fixed base price. And the company was sold at the end of last year, fourth quarter, uh, to a Canadian uh, firm, uh, another private company. And fortunately, they had not raised the price. But that ranges around three thousand uh, dollars per knee out-of-pocket expense to the patient. Now, my, my neighbors, North Carolina, they're getting $8,000 for theirs, and my neighbors, South of me and Florida, are up to $5,000. But uh, here in East Tennessee, it's $3,000 per knee. Uh, the company will grant a, uh, a discount of $500 you do bilateral. However, I've done so many of them, uh, I, got a little, uh, I got a little bit better out of harvesting the amount. And so I just tell patients, just buy the one, and if you have painful knees in both. I'll inject both the other one for nothing to them. And um, the research that uh, Dr. Scoderi did was based on five to seven cc's of alpha-2 macroglobulin. And uh, my, my minimum is 12 cc's per knee. That's my minimum. And uh, um, it's dose dependent. So the more they, we give them, the better the result. And believe it or not, I've given people up to 21 cc's and 24 in one man. But that little old 82-year-old woman, she, believe it or not, she made 21 cc's and she got all of them into her left knee. And what amazes me is anybody who ever used um, uh, Sue Parts or any other visco supplementation, those hurt. Those hurt a, a fair amount. I myself am a recipient of those shots. And if my third one was like my first one, there wouldn't have been a second. <laughs> uh, what amazes me, that's only two cc's at a crack. Uh, whereas 21 cc's in someone's knee, and it's incredibly well tolerated. And I tell my patients it's because their body knows their body. It's not a foreign material. It's a very easy thing. The few people I've had come off the table crying when I first started, I thought, oh, my God, did I hurt you? And they, those were tears of joy because their pain instantly evaporated. As I try to explain to the patients, it's a lot like an acid in a base. When you have an acid fluid and you throw in a base, it's neutralized. And that's exactly the kind of response that I, I see every day I perform these. And uh, they'll get off the table, walk up and down the hall, and, and they just can't believe it. Um, one of my local uh, customers, he owns a uh, uh, heating and air conditioning business. 
And you can imagine what his life can, you know, consumes of standing, squatting, lifting. And uh, I gave him the shot coupler with an unloader brace. And he sends every member of his family he can find and plus people he, uh, he calls on to the office for these. So they do work. Uh, one area I would definitely, it's very, it's a tough um, patient population to convince to have this done are my post anterocruciate ligament reconstruction patients. And every single, I know, in, I'm sure in your practice of 30 years, I've seen it in my practice in 19, either my, my patients or someone else's patients who they receive an anterocruciate ligament reconstruction, the surgeon does a fine job placing the graft and the patient does a great job with their therapist rehabilitating it. But after 15 or so years, they come in and they have arthritis. It's still a stable knee, but they have end-stage arthritis. And some of the Scalderi's uh, papers um, encourage that you replace the lost A2M that they suffered uh, through the injury of ACL and the reconstruction. It's really tough to <laughs> convince an 18 to 25-year-old athlete uh, on minimal income uh, after uh, they pay for their surgery to go ahead and spend money for a, for an injection as such as this. But I tell you, the folks that I do, um, they really seem to do uh, much better, much sooner. And uh, hopefully in 15 years, we'll see the benefit to those folks. So, Nate, tell us what, what, what the protocol is after injection and you know, what, what, what's the physical therapy component of post-injection, post-stem cell, post-PRP? Yeah, I think that you have to look at uh, you know, a variety of things. Number one, uh, everybody does it pretty much different when you have like a stem cell or PRP. There's not really kind of like a, uh, a basis for what type of protocol that they really go by. It could be indicative on what the pain is from the patient. So I usually look at it from a chronic or acute uh, with uh, Dr. Sorosi seeing uh, a lot of the osteoarthritic knees and hearing about those, you know, that's going to be more of a chronic thing where it, you're going up to any type of tendinopathy thing that could be chronic or acute as well. Um, I've seen the PRP used in the elbow for lateral epicondylalgia uh, at the muscle there at the extensor carpi radialis brevis, and I've seen that really good uh, work well. Um, some of the things that you'll see that entails what we have to look at is just the stages of the healing process. I've seen people that have come day after we've seen people two weeks, you know, we can look at kind of an acute phase from protection anywhere from two to four days, the subacute phase where we're kind of repairing uh, late stage where we're having things remodel. Um, but with that, we're also looking at the inflammatory phase. So the initial injection site with the stem cell or the PRP, we're looking at like a week or two with that. So most of the time we'll see people around two weeks after um, because we're trying to control the inflammatory phase, which is definitely going to be an area that is kind of the utmost importance. You want that inflammatory phase to kind of get that cellular matrix kind of rolling and preparing. So a lot of those things that we'll look at are focused on the inflammatory phase, the proliferation phase, and the maturation phase of what we're doing from any type of biomechanical loading to be able to improve that. And and, and so, you know, the common question of my practice, I probably heard it 30 times today, is when can I go back and play D1 football? When can I go back to my NBA camp? Uh, I had two today, Major League Baseball players. When am I going to be ready, um, you know, for uh, spring training? We're, we're supposed to uh, report early January, mid-January. So someone gets injected, 
what what do you tell that athlete when when can they go back uh, and and what does going back entail? How how do they how do they re-enter into the sporting world? Yeah, you know that still follows kind of the phases. A lot of things that you'll see is in those later phases and that maturation phase. You can kind of see six to eight weeks, even four to six weeks, to where you're starting to already see a lot of that kind of chronic healing or even that acute thing for someone from a sport or somebody that's returning from normal activity. Um, A lot of times three to four months is where you're starting to get a lot of that development of stem cell. It can happen sooner depending on the individual and then what type of exercises they're able to go with. My biggest thing that I go with return to sport is we have to be able to get them up to a level where we're minimizing pain as well as getting them up to the level of what they were doing prior to. So all types of lateral movements, things that are going to be sports-specific training. We're going to have eccentric, concentric things where we're focusing on load progressively. So that way we can make sure that they're able to work on those particular types of activities to get back to the sport that they need to go to. That's awesome. And Dr. Sorcy, short-term and long-term, um, Patient gets injected, and again, a common question, when can they expect their pain to start? Is it immediate? They get immediate relief of pain? And then what do you tell them in terms of the long-term expectations? Are they better for six months? Are they better for two years? Like the patient you discussed, are they better forever? What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on short-term, you know, when the symptoms get better, and long-term, how long they can expect to be better for? Well, um, for my arthritic patients, um, I send them back immediately, and I've noticed uh, two different uh, uh, typical uh, uh, phases of healing. One's immediate, like we talked about. They come off the table. They feel great. Uh, the other one is sort, sort of a bimodal. They come off the table. They feel great, and they'll call back in two weeks. Uh, it, it was working great. I'm upset. I don't think it's going to work. They have a little bit more stiffness, a little pain. And I just tell them to hunker down. And I usually have them return by six weeks. And by six weeks, it's 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 back up and it's better. I've had the uh, one uh, failure. And I shouldn't say failure because if you saw this man's wrist x-rays, you'd, you'd be amazed it worked at all. But he returned in two years. Other people, they're going strong. And uh, that's for the arthritic group. As far as for the inflammatory or uh, post-injury or post-surgical repair group, I typically, when I when I send the folks to a physical therapist like Nate, I just, you know, we do the same typical protocol for everybody else. However, we find it's bigger, faster, stronger. A lot like I'm sure you see in your athletes, uh, and it's a different, uh, it's a different level. And uh, they're able to, um, I, I still withhold the strengthening, of course, of my rotator cuff repairs uh, for three months. However, motion is much sooner, um, active and passive. And uh, when I do start strengthening, it'll be below shoulder height. But other than that, um, the people, uh, they do send, tend to heal as far as their pain and inflammation much quicker. Uh, the, um, as far as returning and failures uh, for, let's say, a lateral epicondylitis or trope bursitis, um, my wife, who believe it or not, was my, my first guinea pig uh, for the intra-office leukocyte-rich PRP injection. <laughs> she had no choice. <laughs> but uh, she... She had pain since high school, and uh, it was a few years ago, and we tried everything, and even before uh, we got married, she tried with other physicians, everything from physical therapy to steroid injections, um, home exercise program, home IC regimen, anti-inflammatories, everything, and it just would not go away. After the first injection, 
Uh, I'm not sure why we did this, but we went camping and we haven't been camping since. And we gave her a LRPRP injection and sleeping on a cot for three days. She was really concerned. It was quite painful. And uh, that's, that, that's the, the thing we have to tell patients with a PRP injection. Uh, they're going to get pain. And we tell them to expect pain. In fact, we tell them just the opposite. Do not ice it. Do not take anti-inflammatories. You are paying for this inflammatory storm to cause intensive healing. So I'll give them pain pills if they need it and a good hickory stick to bite down on and just weather the storm. And in her case, um, it was two to three uh, increased achiness. And by two weeks, she was 50% better. And by four weeks, it was gone. And it's been gone for, gosh, three years now, occasional flare-up that would last a day or so. So that's pretty impressive when she had a chronic uh, inflammatory tendinopathy that was corrected with one injection. Uh, I don't know about with Nate, I see tremendous um, uh, similar results in uh, plantar fasciitis patients. Uh, that's, a, that's a tough group uh, to take care of. Um, you know, if you remember the, uh, uh, the shockwave therapy treatments they had years ago, um, that, that worked. That worked on those folks. Uh, it, it just required general anesthesia because it hurt so much. But basically, if you think about what's going on there, you're just creating a tremendously large, um, severe level of tissue damage to cause a similar large tissue healing response. And if we can create that without the you know, damage, so to speak, of the tissue we're trying to heal with just an injection and get the same result, it, it really is um, miraculous. And some people use human amniotic fluid for that area. I find the uh, LRPRP, um, in my opinion, a little bit better, a heck of a lot cheaper, and without any chance of uh, disease transmission by using someone else's uh, bodily fluids. So uh, I would say that my response for the arthritis is amazing. The response for the surgical, um, uh, I guess, reinforcement of uh, repairs also similarly amazing. And for these tendinopathies, they do heal quicker, especially chronic injuries, tennis elbow, plantar fasciitis, trochanteric bursitis. And once we get them, or once Nate gets them past that acute phase, it tends to stay gone. And uh, I don't see those people come back. Have you noticed any side effects uh, from any of the injections other than the, the post-injection flare or the pain uh, until they get back to baseline? Have you had any, any other the issues? The only side effect I've ever heard a patient complain about is the is the pain in the wallet. <laughs> but that is very short-lived uh, because as soon as they uh, get the relief, they don't complain about it. And in reality, all jokes aside, uh, the only real consistent uh, risk factor is that of infection, right? I mean, we're taking their own cells and we're giving them back their own cells. We're just concentrating them, injecting them to a focal position to do a certain job. Uh, there is always always a chance of inadvertent uh, vascular or nerve nerve injury, which fortunately we haven't come across, and I have yet to thank God I have even an infection. So in my uh, practice in the world of stem cells, I have yet to have any uh, uh, bad outcome. Uh, people seem to be generally happy, uh, and they're and they're pleased and. We all can agree about the expense uh, on it, but uh, the results, they're all very pleased. And in reality, uh, you know, when you say it costs like $3,000 uh, for the uh, stem cell for the knee, uh, their co-pays for a knee replacement 
is much worse. And then you put on the physical therapy thereafter. So in the big scheme of things, it's actually cheaper. And um, I'll give you another quick uh, example. I had a young patient. He's 45 years of age. He has horrible post-traumatic arthritis from a motorcycle accident. His knee was just very horrible. Let's put it that way. Uh, unfortunately, he's employed as a, uh, a contractor in construction work, and he came looking for a total knee. And anybody who does total knees would love to have that patient's uh, physiology. That you know, 45-year-old male bone is wonderful to work with, mm. as opposed to 82-year-old female bone. Uh, so it would have been an easy day to do that. However, in his profession, um, I think that's uh, uh, just a budding on uh, malpractice to do that because we know that won't last and down the line, he'll pay a bigger price. So we talked about the stem cells. He was not interested in it, especially when we brought the cost up and he hemmed and hawed, but he actually had his grandmother with him in the room and she said she'd pay for it. <laughs> and I said, whoever pays for it, you give me a check and I'll send it to Houston and we'll get the stem cells and we'll go from there. So lo and behold, we did that. He came back uh, and we did the stem cell and that man came back four weeks later, gave me a big handshake and a hug and said he cannot believe his relief and pain. And he's still on the job site, still with his horrible knee. He has no pain and, and no random swelling. That's the biggest indicator uh, for me on who's going to do well. Those folks who get random swelling for no reason whatsoever, they'll one day they might rake the leaves, no problem. Next day they're watching the football game and it just swells and hurts. These folks do quite well and he was no different. So in my experience, I don't know how about you, Nate, but I tell you the, uh, the people, once you get them past the acute phase, uh, like you just discussed, they tend to stay gone and they don't have a recurrent problem, at least in that particular area. So in closing, um, Nate, give me give me your thoughts. Kind of kind of wrap it up a little bit. Any pearls? Any words of wisdom, etc. Healing is a continuum. That's kind of one thing that I like to live by. You know, we're we're always looking for this quick fix, and thankfully, we're starting to get these regenerative therapies that are allowing us to heal quicker and come back quicker. Be it an athlete or someone who just wants to walk, and those are the things that I really like about talking about these things, figuring these out. Um, I actually met Dr. Sorcy a few months ago and we discussed this and and got him on here. So I'm hoping to see some of his patients and definitely send him some his way so we can kind of collaborate and make sure that we're giving the best care to the patients that we have. That's awesome. And and in terms of the therapy, uh, is the therapy beneficial after the injections? Um, is therapy take it or leave it? Kind of kind of give me your thoughts on the therapy, how necessary it is and 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 um, the benefits that, that you see after the injections. Yeah. I always kind of joke around with it on a family guy episode when Peter ended up having a stroke and he went into a stem cell research, came out and he asked the guy outside, Hey, how long was I in there for? And he said five minutes. And he's like, why are we not funding this? Uh, so those are kind of some things that people need to be educated on. It's not always, you know, hey, you have the shot and everything's healed. There's got to be some work with it. And that's why I say healing is a continuum. We need to make sure that we educate the patient along on what that entails from a standpoint of the initial injection, that inflammatory phase, because they could have, like Dr. Sorcy said, that week where they feel really good. And then I've got to be that person that's like, hey, you need to kind of hold back just a little bit so this can kind of take effect, make sure that we're doing what we need to do. And then they might go back and see them like, oh, gosh, hey, it's here again. 
So those are the things that we definitely need to work on. That's an education purpose. And then also we're there to lead them in the exercises and get them back to their function that they want to do in a controlled manner. Um, and I think that that prevents them from overworking, overtraining, and then that way they can heal quicker and get back to the things that they want to do faster. Dr. Sorcy, give us your uh, anything we missed and any uh, words of wisdom moving forward with alpha-2 microglobulin. Well, in, in, in general, uh, just to follow up on, on Nate's last comment on the folks, I also find it depends who you're working on. Uh, if you take a little lady with uh, bad knees and, and uh, uh, she, uh, she can't have a knee replacement or doesn't want one for that matter, and you give her the stem cells, uh, she's going to have a tremendous amount of disuse atrophy, and uh, someone like Nate can really help her get her balance, endurance, and agility back. But even on my worst day and Nate's worst day, you take that woman who's functioning at 30 35%, you give her 70% back, you are a superhero, Right. Whereas if you're working right. with your typical patient population who truly are superheroes that are functioning at 99% and, and you have your best day and you get them 99.5%, a lot of those folks still aren't happy. <laughs> so uh, a lot of what we do uh, after the fact, so to speak, it depends on what we're, our expectations are and what we're starting with. And um, I believe as, as far as uh, Nate's concern is saying it's a continuum, it certainly is. And um, I, the most important thing uh, in my practice is to be realistic with the patient population and who I'm treating and what to expect. And as far as the future of A2M, uh, it definitely has made a believer out of me. Um, uh, and I'm a very, uh, very much a skeptic when it comes to the hocus pocus and, and, and uh, the unknown. But this has made a believer out of me so much so that uh, I've, I've, I've found use uh, for that as well as other stem cells in my practice. And I truly believe, as I said, my wife had mentioned, it is the way of the future. It just makes perfect sense. And uh, it has a definite position. It's a, it's a real long uh, slide with a short run, so to speak. There's a lot of benefits. It's relatively simple to both the patient and the provider. And uh, if it gets people where we need to go, uh, more power to it. Hey, listen, you guys, I really, really appreciate it. Um, thank you very much, and everybody uh, have a great Christmas. All right, same to you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for your time.